0: Entrepreneur, investor, and scale up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hello everybody, Nick Bradley here. Welcome to Scale Up Your Business. Another great interview for you today. We are God, some great people coming on the show. I tell you what, it's been an absolute privilege to be able to be here and to meet some amazing people and to be able to bring these people to you. To um, all of the listeners of this show, as I said, I'm extremely grateful for what you um, have provided for me, you know, in terms of um, allowing me to, the privilege really to serve you over these last 18 months. And um, as I said, it's uh, it's nothing, sorry, it's something that I never, ever take for granted. So today we have a good friend of mine on the show. Her name is Sarah Froiling. Now she is a professional executive coach and she works with the top of the top, really successful leaders who specifically want to create meaning and purpose in their lives. Now, of course, we all want that, but she works with individuals who are really big influencers, game changers, financially successful disruptors, is probably a way of putting it. And she often jokes about this, and we might get into it today, really, is that the it's the 1% who learned how to succeed because of their unique genius, and you know they're millionaires, they're multi-millionaires, there's some billionaires in there. The, the people at the top of their game. So, so yeah, the conversation today is is well, what does it take first and foremost to become that? So you know to be someone who's a billionaire, you know that level of financial success. It's often not uh, the financial piece, which is the most interesting bit. It's actually who have they become, and 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 what sort of things do they do, and what do they need to do to become that successful in that way. So Sarah's going to get into that. She's also going to talk about her belief systems, her methods, um, and how she does all of those different things. So we're going to get you know into a lot of rich conversation, and she's just a delightful woman, someone I've known in my network for some time, so I wanted to have her on the show for that. Okay, so that's it. Welcome to Scale Up Your Business, Sarah Froiling. Let's get into what it takes to coach ultra-successful, ultra-high-net-worth business leaders today. Hi everybody, Nick Bradley here. Welcome to Scale Up Your Business for another week. Another fantastic episode and this time I have a good friend on the show. Her name is Sarah Fruling and we met quite recently actually in a bit of professional development ourselves. So we were part of a a group, uh, a mastermind if you like, called Project Kairos And that was run by coach rich litvin he's probably worth looking up now and then so he was someone that we both were attracted to to kind of i suppose craft our game around the whole coaching and mentoring side of things sarah is a professional executive coach and she works with highly successful leaders who want to create meaning and purpose in their lives but more than that and this is the really interesting thing is that if you look at her clients she calls them the outliers they're the one percent who have learned how to succeed because of their unique genius And they tend to be the micro niche of millionaires, multi-millionaires, billionaires who are at the top of their game. And why that's relevant, obviously, is I work with people who have the ambition to sell their companies for eight to nine figures. Once they've done that and they're asking what next, they look for Sarah. So, Sarah, welcome to the show. Hey,
1: Thanks, Nick. Man, so fun to be here. I was excited about being on the show and getting to just speak to your clients. It's so fun. You have a huge following. I'm so excited to. Yeah, I mean,
0: the people who listen to this show and stuff like that, it's quite interesting because we were just chatting off air. And, you know, I've got people who come and listen to Scale Up Your Business in their very early stage. Some of them haven't haven't even yet made the decision to jump into the world of entrepreneurship. They might have a job, but they have that desperate pull to do it. Then you have the, the people who are kind of stuck, if you like. I call them sort of in the plateau stage there. They've got a business, but it's not growing as quickly as they'd like. And then you've got the ones that are really towards the, I'm the end of the journey, because you could argue it's the start of the journey, right. but they've got a great business. They want to sell it. And then they have an ambition to go and create empires and create bigger impact. So I've got a really broad view. And, and obviously the place that you play is certainly in a very clear part of that whole journey, part of that process. So yeah, it's great to have yeah, you. Yeah,
1: thanks. Thanks.
0: So so first and foremost, as I said we, we met through this, this thing called Project Kairos. Yeah. It was it was fun. I mean, it was a bit random at times, wasn't it? But it was it was good.
1: Yeah. I, honestly I love that type of work. I love being able to meet people and network. It was really fun from that perspective and really fun to be focused on our own personal growth. I, th- I think the kind of clients that I love working with have that same core value that I have which is they are just continuously growing learning changing they're always looking for what next and how to how to show up at their best.
0: Yeah indeed. And what was funny for me personally about that journey so you know the question that comes to mind is well why why did you go and do that Nick? Why did you go and invest in that in your own sort of professional development? And one of the things I was evaluating was you know, do I, am I a coach? Do I want to be a coach or what actually am I? And I, and I still, I I struggle with sometimes the titles. I know what I do and the impact I make, but, but if I looked around the, the sort of 25, 30 people that were there, some people were still unclear about what their, their purpose was and various things. Some people had different stages of businesses, some people at the very beginning, but you, you were very, very professional all the way through. And out of everyone that was there in terms of what I would call coaching, you had a very clear definition of, you know, that part of what you do and who you are. So, so do you want to talk a little bit about that um, and kind of just introduce a bit more detail about what you do? So everyone who's listening today can get a sense of that.
1: Yeah. I'd, I'd love to share a little bit about how I think about coaching. One of the things I love about being a coach is really just helping bring out the best in my clients I also love to have my clients bring out the best in me. So one of the things that I would say is different, uh, and you know this because of our work in Project Kairos, that a lot of times coaches fall into either accountability coaching, which is Mm -hmm, holding clients accountable for things, or insight. So Rich in particular is fabulous. He'll play with your thinking, kind of turn things upside down, and you have a moment of aha. I think for me, the dynamic duo is both. So I bring a whole lot of expert knowledge from my first career, which is in mental health, Um, strength-based, positive psychology, all of that kind of stuff, neuroscience. I'm a total brain nerd. I bring all of that to help ignite the ahas while also caring about what clients want to create. So I always call it the dynamic duo, that it's not enough to just have insight, it's really not enough just to have accountability. You really bringing both together is where the magic really happens.
0: Interesting. So t- let's go back a step then. So how did you, how did you know, or when did you know that you wanted to have this as a as a career as a mission? You know, when did it first come about?
1: So that's a great story Um, because when it first came about was I was feeling less fulfilled in my job. I was an entrepreneur, owned my own counseling agency and was a private practice, self-employed mental health therapist. I was very uh, cognitive behavioral, how you think, how you show up, how you behave. That's what impacts your life. And I met with a friend of mine, actually, who's a, I would call him a serial entrepreneur. He's a multimillionaire, started multiple really big businesses and then sold them because he loves to create things, not to actually execute on them. We got together actually for a sad reason, his dad had passed away and he'd emailed and said, this is probably six years ago. Hey, I'm going to be in town. You want to get together for lunch? We had lunch. And at the end of it, he said, Oh my God, you need to become a professional executive coach. He said, the way you just sat And we had this conversation is exactly what I need and what every one of my friends who are multimillionaires looking for a confidential sounding board need. It was really brilliant. And he does have a real unique talent for seeing what people can bring. And he's been right. Um, The business that I have created then, I mindfully chose to switch from mental health to coaching. I had a great business plan, Nick. I was going to do half-time this, half-time that. And this was so much fun. It was so much fun to coach. I ended up transforming my whole life. I quit being a therapist. We moved. Uh, I've got all these wonderful clients. I haven't done I haven't paid for any advertising but one one ad in one magazine and the my business has just grown so purely by word of mouth and now it's international. I have international associate coaches who are working and collaborating with me and I have clients who are international as well. It has been phenomenal. It's been
0: well, Let's let's go so a little bit into run. your entrepreneurial now, let's go into your entrepreneurial journey, the entrepreneurial journey of since that lunch, because one of the things that um, I try and do on the show is I try to kind of dig a little bit deeper into entrepreneurs themselves, because it's, it's the stories of both success and failure that actually become the best lessons, if you like, the, the kind of roller coaster, as I often call it. So I, I'm not going to let you just say that it was a lunch and then all of a sudden everything was fantastic, even though I'm sure there's elements of that. But what, what specifically did you say? I mean, without breaking confidentiality, what was the theme of what you said at lunch which really resonated with this gentleman which then gave you the ignition to do what you're doing?
1: I totally remember the details. He brought to me a, a little table since which I have created a gorgeous thing that I work with, a model for clients. But it was basically the emotional guidance scale, one through 20 at the very top, things like passion, engagement, em- empowerment, to the very bottom, the worst feelings of being a victim, hopeless and helpless, and he and he came in and he said, "Hey, you know, ideally, I really want to be in this top segment. The the whole emotional guidance scale is based on um, existing in." this top upward spiral. So if you can imagine, I could screen share, if you want to see it, it's easy for me to find it and show it. To
0: no, people. no, no, let it do that. You have to explain it. And you don't have to go too much into detail because what I want to play with here is this, it's the sentiment of what happened. Yeah. So, so he had, I'm just going to paraphrase a little bit. He had an indication of where he wanted to be. Right. So he had what we would almost call vision, right. In this, in the context of the conversation yep. and you helped him crystallize that through this conversation?
1: Not only that, but name what was helping pull him in the downward spiral. And he's just a friend. I wasn't coaching. We were just talking. How did you know that? So this is a great question. I think because I've spent, and who knew when I became a coach, I think, you know, this most coaches come out of business. They have an MBA in business and they're talking about executive coaching. For me, I came out of 20 some years of sitting with people communicating hearing their deepest darkest fears talking about things that are very private and very intimate and through our conversation i just asked the questions and he shared with me what was happening so i was evil easily really able to help him see and have that insight into Oh, I'm stuck in this downward pole and here are the key factors for why. And then be able to ask questions to inspire him to say, okay, what, what do I really need to hang on to? Is this serving me? Or do I need to shift so that I can actually allow myself to be in the upward spiral?
0: So how much then of your coaching technique, your um, capability, is is therapy versus coaching and i'd love to know the difference between the two because i've always struggled a little bit with this and i know there is a difference by the way i'm not saying it's, but but it sounds like some of your experience as a therapist in that world has absolutely made you a more effective coach
1: it has and i would say it's led me to my micro niche so i have that micro niche of impact millionaire multimillionaire billionaires but it's because of what i bring and it's because it's how I approach those issues, there is nothing, there really is not anything someone could say that would shock me because of where I came from and the skill set that I have. So ask your question again. Let me see if I can answer it really well.
0: The, the simple question was the difference between oh. a therapist and a coach. Yeah.
1: Okay, huge difference.
0: Yeah, I, I get it. But I, the, the other part of the question, just to put it in there, is that. Clearly your experience as a therapist helped you be able to give that on the, I'm still with the lunch, right? We're still talking Still about helped you to be able to have the clarity of the insight that allowed, you know, obviously gave him that perspective. Yes.
1: So let me, so ask- I'm just
0: trying to understand. Yeah. yeah. Let me
1: answer the first question first. It's easy. I think of therapy as today, this point, looking back, okay. it's about healing and often people who need therapy are not functioning at a healthy place. So if this is health, we're working on just getting people up to normal. Coaching, the way I think of it, is today very future-forward, for, future-focused. What do I want to create? And how do I need to show up today so that that's where I am in my future? So coaching for me is very It just feels so different. And you know this because when I'm working with the one percenters, I always call them the influencers or these outliers. They're the people who have such ultra high skill and success. They're they're incredibly, they are functioning at a very high level, higher than most of us ever can even aspire or dream to be. They may have some rough edges. They certainly have incredible pressure on them to perform at a certain level. And that's partly where coaching comes in. It gives them this gift of time and space and someone to help be that confidential sounding board as they think about the future and they create what they want. But that's really how I see the difference.
0: Mm, Okay. Now that makes a lot of sense. And I take it, it must be hard sometimes definitionally, because even if someone is successful you know, and operating at a certain level, they might not, to use your word, they may not still be healthy because there might be some underlying things that still need to be, let's say, addressed that then unlocks the future potential as you described it.
1: Absolutely. So it's not about, when I think about coaching, that insight, those aha moments are about understanding. So a lot of times we'll start with self-awareness, noticing, what am I doing and then connecting it to, if I'm showing up this way, why? What is this connected to? And then my job as the coach is to help connect those dots and inspire them to think about, is that how I want to show up? And if not, how do I dial in my delivery or my presence or my business so that they can create what they want to create?
0: Okay. That's that's fascinating. Nice definition.
1: Okay. All right.
0: So let's move on a little bit from the lunch. So you've had this, this. you've now been, you've now got this kind of quite interesting suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> How did you go from there to being super clear on the niche? Because I, I do want to talk about the characteristics of some of these ultra successful, ultra high net worth individuals, but, but what was the leap if you like, or the clarity to get from that lunch to then being clear on who you wanted to work with and serve?
1: It's a great question, Nick. I, I actually just think I love working with those individuals. And this would probably speak well to your listeners because there's something about entrepreneurs and people who are really hungry like that, that's really attractive to me. So when I think about learning zones, think about um, three circles that are intersecting at the center of that 70% of people are really comfort zone people they like the same thing every day. They drive the same way to work. They're not that interested in change. We have 20%, and that's small if we think about the scale of people who really are in the learning zone. So the learning zone is my playground. I absolutely love to learn. When I'm working and coaching with a client, I'm trying to stay, learn as much as they are, learn from them and show up in a way that I'm pulling and stretching them as well. And then there's only 10% of people who are in that high risk zone. Entrepreneurs live in the learning zone and they might flirt with the edge of the high risk zone. So entrepreneurs are a little bit edgy. I always think of um, entrepreneurs as scrappy street fighters, you know, whatever works, they're going to jump in, they're going to figure it out and they maybe are willing to take a little more risk than the average person. Uh, and that's okay. that's part of why I think they succeed because they're yeah. and
0: what's the high risk zone then? So so what does that zone look like?
1: So high risk zone for maybe for the average person might look like really high risk behaviors that could lead to danger and death like um, drug, yeah,
0: climbing Everest. <laughs>
1: Sure. <laughs> or skydiving or base jumping or free soloing, things like that. In the entrepreneurial okay. world or in the business world, it can look like um, financial risk. It can look like if it's a behavior that's really going to sabotage you, it could look like sexting, embezzlement. Um, it could look like an behavior in the workplace. It's interesting when you have a micro niche like I do, working with these high-level leaders, It is really terrifying that people don't want to share where the challenges are or the problems. When, I I think it's partly why my clientele continues to refer people to me because I have this ability to understand the mental health piece to handle those really even traumatic things that happen in businesses with total confidentiality and, and skill and expertise.
0: Okay, fascinating. Okay, so let's talk about the characteristics of 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 this this group. Now we're talking about millionaires, so we have already segregated these people by mm-hmm. by their financial success, which I think in some cases it's great for this show because a lot of people <laughs> listen to the show are interested in that. But we're not just talking about the, the money in their bank accounts. We're talking about you know who they are as individuals. So we've already discussed a little bit about ability to um, tolerate and manage and be comfortable with risk. Yeah. What else? What are some of the other for the, for, the, for the, the your clients, the ones that are really successful in the way we've just defined it? What how do they how do they show up? I
1: think that one of the things that comes back to that issue of really being willing, open, trying open a possibility, willing to lead, being a visionary. A lot of times, I think about Daniel Goldman's six leadership styles. Mm-hmm. Um, So if we think about coaching and visionary, those are the best for culture. It's part of what helps catapult these individuals forward. I I would say there really is though, you know, it's an interesting question, Nick. I'm trying to think about what sets these individuals apart. I know Mm. from my clientele, the people who love to work with me, think about three intersecting circles like a Venn diagram. It's leaders. So really successful, high level leaders. It's uh, individuals who have incredible financial wealth. And the third circle is they want to have deep meaning and fulfillment. So often I'll have clients come to me when they're at the very top, they've made it. They have said, oh my gosh, okay, I've achieved everything I needed to in my business, but all of a sudden life feels empty. They're looking back and they're thinking, wait a minute, what next what do i really want to do what do i want to create what's the next thing what kind of legacy do i want to lead what's the next thing i want to build how do i create meaning fulfillment in my life or meaning and fulfillment for the people around me so i love to work with the entrepreneur the leader who has that great vision where they want to create and you've heard this it's my favorite kind of roi that positive ripples of impact it's beyond money because they have more money than they need. You and I both know millionaires and multimillionaires and billionaires who are miserable. They could buy anything they want. Money doesn't solve that.
0: Well, a lot of them are. You know, the ones, the ones that I I meet and I have, you know, connection with as well. I wouldn't say they're all like that. And and you know, it would be, um, you know, incorrect to suggest that you know having lots of wealth leads to that. But the ones that are normally not congruent with their values are the ones that end up feeling that way so so my question on that is you know and I've, I've been there to some extent you know in terms of got to the top of where i wanted to get to and then thought what the hell do i do now it's not exactly what i thought it was going to be right. but then i've you know changed and done other things like this podcast and you know started off foundations and you know those things so i've got different passions now around the same areas but but what what normally happens so when someone comes to you let's say it's that that person you've been referred to someone high net worth guy girl and you know what's that first conversation like cuz you know you've got to ask them i suppose what do you want and they're going to say i've got no idea sarah so let's let's play
1: yeah so i'm going to let you know a couple things that you said that actually aren't true most of the time when people reach out to me they do know exactly what they want Um, And this is the thing about high, high, successful, high level leaders. Um, Impact leaders really know exactly what they want and they know how to ask for it. So as a coach, it makes your job. For me, it makes it makes it quite a bit easier because they will tell me what they need and what and. If I'm not delivering it, they damn well let me know if I'm not delivering. So I always joke with my clients. I'm very coachable. Let me know where we need, what you need more of, what you need less of. And they tell me um, that initial conversation, there is a process. And for me, because I'm a brainer, some of it's even just internal. So I like to just have a conversation with someone who reaches out. I'm. 98 percent, 99 percent of the time people are contacting me hey i need coaching i heard about you from so and so i know this is what you do can we meet so i like to have a call a connect call now we're doing it all over zoom especially because um i've got international clients um and i'm listening for where are their pain points what's happening, and I can tell if it's a hell yes client for me, I start having these ideas and it's really fun, thoughts, models, skills, ideas about where we could go and what we could do. That for me is a real indicator that this is a great match and that I have ways to help this client figure out how to get from where they are to what they want to create, whether it's legacy, whether it's figuring out deep, meaningful fulfillment, Um, whether it's, I mean, I have people coming for a variety of reasons, Nick, but.
0: Well, let's, let's, let's go into it. So again, you can't talk about individual people, but let's talk about some transformation. So, so what I've just heard is they know what they want to achieve. So they have clarity on, you know, potentially the end game or whatever that next summit is, let's call it that, but they're not clear on the strategy to get there in terms of what that looks like. So you're effectively using different techniques, models, as you said, to bridge that gap, to, to provide the pathway to some extent. Is that correct? Yes,
1: absolutely.
0: Okay. So let's use, let's, let's, let's choose a couple of examples, you know, of your clients, again, no names, all that sort of stuff. It's more, it's more the the, the, so the challenge. It's what they're looking to create and how you effectively help them the, the way that you did it. Cause I think it's useful for people to understand how, how that works.
1: So I had a couple ideas in mind. One of my favorite kinds of coaching is that full transformational kind of coaching, Nick. So I, I have a theory about how people coach. So I'd like to walk you through that and then I'll use an example of a client that I've done this work with. So, so. surface level coaching is I've got a problem. Let's coach on the problem. The problem solved, great, coaching is done. This is beginner coaching coaching. Surface level coaching. The next layer down is I have an area of life that I'm struggling with. Um, so let's coach on that area. So in life coaching, it could be, I don't know, getting through a divorce. In business coaching, it's often how to be a leader because we don't we we're not really taught how to lead well. We often get promoted because we're doing our job well. Technical skill is very different than leadership skills. So Leadership coaching might be an example of the second layer down. Um, I'm going to coach on how to be a better leader. And that's what we look at. The way I coach is the deepest level. It's transformational coaching, which is creating a full paradigm shift. It's I need to think about and create and show up to my entire life differently. So you've heard um, people say the way you show up for one thing is how you show up for everything.
0: Um, yeah. How you do anything is how, so how you do everything is how you do anything. Exactly.
1: So this is getting to that very deepest part and making the connections, having the aha. How am I showing up? So it's self-awareness. Oh, I see. Why am I showing up that way? There's our insight. And how do I want, who do I want to be and how do I show up to be that way? So it's that deepest level. I, I, I would call it transformational in that it's a complete paradigm shift for how you're showing up. So I have an international client um, from Brazil and he had, he really came to me. He knew, Hey, my team is not functioning. And I'm part of the problem. I'm sabotaging the progress. And he was aware I'm unhappy. He knew what the outcome was, but he had no idea how to get from here to there. We ended up coaching so very deeply. What he had the aha about is that he would show up, have an amygdala hijack, blow up. So he was a fantastic leader when he was in his best mindset. He was proactive, encouraging, a great coach, a great visionary, until he got frustrated. And then he would have, the amygdala is the part of brain that manages your emotions. He'd blow up. Emotionally, just mow people down with a machine gun, whether it was at home, at work, or with the guys. It didn't matter.
0: Um, so we were. What, can I just jump in? What was what? Did you, did you obviously you probably got to this, but what was driving that behavior? Did you have to go you know back to the backwards piece, looking backwards to understand that? Yes. Because I imagine the awareness of where that comes from is part of the process of then what you can do to change it.
1: Right. It's the difference between it. it very much is looking back to understand, but not necessarily to heal. So the the analogy I'll use, here's the analogy. Imagine you're standing on a bridge, looking at a stream going by underneath you. If You see Mm -hmm. a stick floating down the river and it gets caught in the riverbank. That stick does not need 10 years of therapy to get going. It needs to have a little nudge back into the flow and can continue to move on. So I think about that in our self-awareness, noticing how we show up, what our behaviors are and why we're doing that and having skills and the ability then to show up differently and you know, click 2 degrees to the right in how we show up. That's all it is to help get us back into the flow. So you-
0: got it. That's a nice analogy. So so back to this example. Yeah. I mean, I, I cause I, I do like the, um, the specifics. What was the nudge?
1: Yeah. Well, the nudge was because hmm. ask again, cause I could,
0: so I, I was just, I was, I was, playing around with your, um, your stream right, and your piece right. of your stick, but cause, cause you know, there's a, there's a piece there where, as you said, he was, he was quite emotional and that was showing up in that way. It wasn't effective. And as a result of that, you know, he needed to understand maybe what was driving that right? to then potentially change it. I'm just curious about how you did that, uh, you know, the sort of questions you'd ask, those sort of you things.
1: Bet. So multiple layers of work on this. So first is kind of understanding where did that habit come from? What's mm-hmm. that about? What's that deep core issue? Is it attached to something deep that we need to think about and reframe? Uh, So in this case, of course, yes, there is. Second, it had to be developing self-awareness. So at first, the nudge was his team would shut down. Like he would notice people looking shocked. No self-awareness of he just had cussed out the entire leadership team. He would just see that people on the team look shocked or he had one person on the team who would start to cry. So she was his first indicator. Oh, people are falling about.
0: I'm just trying to think of this guy as my boss one time. Let me think back.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I
0: think I've met I've met him.
1: And we know because the number one complaint right now in today's workforce is emotional bullying. It's exactly mm, this. Yeah. So then we had to come back towards the work from the inside out, which is okay, how can we create some internal cues? How can you start to notice? So could he notice his heart rate? Could he notice he was clenching or in this case he would grit his teeth? And in his head, um, he would start to cuss. So he would start dropping F bombs. But the F bombs started in his head way before they came out of his mouth. But
0: he, the body language, I can imagine, I'm just picturing the guy's face. You can start, it's almost like that sort of cartoon of of this thing boiling up. And so people can probably see it. They can probably see he's about to blow.
1: (laughs) So everybody around him knows, could see, oh no. Watch out. It meant the team couldn't be nearly as comfortable, as creative, as innovative as they could because they were constantly managing, walking on eggshells, making sure they didn't piss their owner off. So that was happening at work. Similar things were happening with his friend groups and at home. So a lot of time was lost with secondary costs to he'd have an amygdala hijack blow up, and then they'd spend a week going back, apologizing, cleaning up, getting people back on track. So he really had to show up differently, and he wanted to. So that was the key point. He was aware enough that he wasn't happy and that his team wasn't performing the way he needed them to and the way they could. He just hadn't connected the dots about how he was sabotaging all of that. Through the work, then we've done all of this beautiful change, and now he has all kinds of skills in place to show up differently and show up as the best version of himself much more of the time. It's it's not that you're never going to get triggered again, but it's going to be that when you
0: well, yeah, that was my second question. Really, was was like you know you have patterns that have been you know part of who you are for so long. You now may have awareness and greater tools to be able to adjust. Right but there must be times when you kind of fall back into that. Do you see that? Absolutely. Yes, because you still get triggered and you still, we
1: still default in high stress times to whatever the skills are that worked to begin with. So sometimes we default to dysfunctional habits that aren't actually very healthy anymore. Nick, do you know what percentage of thoughts do you think people have today that are the same thoughts that they had yesterday? You might actually know this. Most people don't.
0: What's your mm, guess? Well, Thank you for the, thank you for the vote of confidence that I would know something so insightful. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> How much of what we think today is the same as what we thought of.
0: I, I'm going to give it a high number. Cause, cause I, cause I think about things quite, quite regularly. So 90%.
1: Yeah, 95%. 95%. Oh, <laughs> yeah, You were, it was a good guess. And I knew you'd be close because you are aware and you're studying this and you're talking to people. But what happens is people think, Oh, I'm doing things very differently, but really you have to be very intentional to create that change.
0: Mm, I can see yeah, that. If you
1: want to create a legacy, you want to create deep, meaningful fulfillment and purpose in life. You really have to create time and space to do that. Cause if you don't, we just, Live our lives. You do the same. No,
0: I can think of two examples of that for me personally. One was a long, long time ago when I left my hometown in Adelaide, South Australia to move into, into kind of my first corporate sort of world, but I had to change my environment, right? That was the first thing. And then more recently with what I do now with scale up your business and the businesses outside of this and associated with this, I had to again change my paradigm. So I had to put myself into a different place with different experiences and have different routines and habits associated with that change yeah. to, I suppose, in some cases, disrupt those patterns
1: Yeah, yeah. and have
0: new things to bring. And, and that's what happened, actually. I had a couple of belief changes, mm-hmm. fundamental changes in what I thought was certain as a result of doing those things, which then meant that my paradigm changed fundamentally. Absolutely. So,
1: so that's the exact same journey I've been on and it's the same journey I'm taking clients on. So I know some of the key mentors and people that you've worked with that helped you with that transformation. Where, where do you think that pivotal shift happened for you? What brought that out?
0: Yeah. So but particularly the second one, because that was more interesting. I, I was aware That the path I was on. So as a corporate leader, probably not dissimilar to the people that you coach, you know, high level exec, CEOs of private equity companies, that sort of thing. And I just, it just wasn't, there was stuff going on that just didn't um, align with my values. And the person that I was becoming in that environment, which can be pretty focused just on the money was not who I wanted to be longer term. So the way I describe it is I had lots of achievement, but didn't have a lot of fulfillment. Yeah. And so my cup on that side of things was very empty. And so that became painful physically as well as emotionally and mentally. Yeah. So, and, and there was no, there was lots of different examples of that. And so I then needed to go and find a, well, you know, to use the words we were talking about at the beginning, <laughs> a new strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew the vision. I kind of knew where I wanted to go. I didn't know how I was going to get there. So I needed to work out on a new strategy and and new tools to be able to do that. Yeah
1: so think about what i hear you saying is what i hear so much from many of my clients there's a huge difference between financial success and financial well-being mm-hmm. and we have we're so driven especially high performers to achieve it's as if if we set the goal here when we get to the goal, there's not a celebration or an acknowledgement. It's that the goal is pushed over. Then that's not enough. Then we're pushed to the next thing and we never actually achieve satisfaction or fulfillment. So think about, mm, okay. think about the joy that uh, at time of having someone join you and help you create what it is that you want and hold that space in a very catered, customized, just to you way. That's the type of elite coaching that I'm bringing and that the clients that hire me want and need. So it's not going to, although there's fabulous value. I mean, I even know some of, some of your mentors and who you love. You've done tremendous work as part of big group work, right?
0: Yeah, I've done. I've definitely done the stuff we talked about, the Tony Robbins stuff. I've done. There's been other stuff underneath that as well, but a lot of it. Th- this is quite quite strange in some respects. A lot of it's been the reading that I've done, and what I've put in place personally. So I've got mentors and coaches in different areas, right. but the personal development on mindset and emotional state. A lot of that has been my own discovery, right?
1: Right.
0: And I I think that's partly because I. I did study psychology at university, but it's not so much that I think I am more intuitive than most, and I'm quite reflective on things. So by that, I can usually diagnose how I'm feeling about stuff and usually get to a root cause, strangely. And from that, I then sort of have, I haven't really got stuck in terms of what to do about it. So that that might be a little bit uncommon, because I think a lot of people get to that state and they don't know what to do about it. And that's when coaching coaches like yourself become really, really critical. Yes. Um, I've just been able to kind of work this stuff out just because I'm curious as well.
1: So you may actually default to something that I think a lot of my clients do. You do have a really beautiful, unique skill to do that. And you're incredibly motivated. So when you haven't known what to do, you've solved by study. You get contemplative, you think about it, you seek out answers. If you're not a person who likes to work that way, or if you're a social thinker, having a confidential sounding board coach is incredibly valuable. So I think you Mm. leverage different mentors and coaches to spark ideas for you, but then your process was internal.
0: Yeah. And it's because back to what you said before about motivation and to some extent discipline, if I want to change something, <laughs> you know, I want to do something. If I want to do anything, um, I'm I'm incredibly motivated to get to the outcome. Yeah. So, but yeah, but I can appreciate, and I see it with the clients that I mentor m- mainly on the business side. <laughs> I can see parts where there's a couple in particular that come to mind, who who specifically haven't quite you know gone deep enough on other areas. Right. And so therefore, the blockage shows up in the area that they want to focus on the most, which is you know usually growing and scaling their business. Right. But unless they can deal with that initial stuff, then, and I often just call this mindset. It's much deeper than that. I get it, but just to kind of give it a title there, therefore they show up in a way, which is not going to get the result that they desperately want anyway. Right,
1: right. Imagine if you had somebody on that journey with you who fully understood and got it, got you, understood the situation, could get it. Think about how much faster and easier that journey might've been. And if you would have felt less alone. One of the things that happens is it's just really, there's so much pressure. People think if you're a multimillionaire, you've got it made that you couldn't want or need anything more when the reality is it's really lonely. And there's a ton of pressure there to perform at this high level. So it becomes sometimes excruciating, it becomes painful. Um, I have this theory that the people who are, who are the happiest and the most, um, I don't know, well-balanced have congruence in thoughts, actions, and beliefs. It means what you yeah, I like that. Yeah, what you think and how you act is actually a reflection of what you believe. If you're a leader and you secretly know or you're panicked about something or your partner just had allegations from someone in the company of sexual inappropriate behavior, who do you go to to talk about that stuff? Or if you get there and you think you just sold the business and you had 10x the value, And then you think wait a minute why am why do i feel so empty that's really hard to say people don't even want to say that to their spouse or their significant other because it feels like why why is it not enough i have everything why am i not grateful or what's going on it can be very disorienting
0: isn't that then again i don't want to simplify it too much though but as, as humans, you know, we, you know, there's that old saying, if you're not growing, you're dying. Right. And there's a piece where that if you don't have some direction, if you don't have something that you're working towards, it doesn't have to even be a big thing Yeah. that, that it's very then easy to fall into that, into that situation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've seen that with, again, myself to some extent, but also some of the people I've worked with, um, colleagues and friends, particularly some of the ones who are super high net worth, the guys who are worth hundreds of millions. Right. I've seen the pattern of they've sold their company for nine figures and then they go into a reasonably deep spiral, negative spiral as we're talking about here, right. purely because they've they've this has been their lifelong dream. They've realized it and then and then the question is what's next? And they, and they, you know, you said beforehand, a lot of them know what what next is. I know a lot of people who don't know what next is because the only next that mattered was creating this massive successful company and then creating an exit from it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that's an interesting piece for me a little bit is, you know, what what do you say in that situation? I suppose you have to help them find out that what next. Sure.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's part of exploring the unknown and figuring out the next step. It also may be a distinction. There may be a distinction between Nick because I'm having word of mouth referrals. People hear about me. They come to me directly because they've heard someone else's story often I think they have a sense of I'm unfulfilled. This is what I need, or this is what I want. So um, it's interesting for you to say, yeah, people don't know. I think sometimes people just know I'm miserable. And Mm. what do I need to do differently?
0: Well, they they know they need to change something, Um, but they're not necessarily precise on what that is. Yeah.
1: So so allow me to.
0: And the loneliness is the point that I just want to draw on that piece. The loneliness piece is actually quite an interesting one because, when you're fixated on a goal, and that could be a long-term goal, something that you've always wanted to create, it could be a 20-year thing, right? And then you achieve it. It's a little bit like, probably the best way I can describe it is, you know how you've been looking forward to a big birthday party or or, or um, getting married, your wedding day, right. and then you have that day after or the week yeah. after where it just feels like you're in a low. Yep. You know that feeling like, Absolutely. oh, now what are we going to do?
1: Kind of after the big <laughs> event blahs.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like that event remorse or whatever whatever we want to call it but it kind of is like that situation. And I'm sure people do get out of that pattern. They work out what's next, but there is definitely a feeling I see sometimes with, with certainly some of the entrepreneurs I've worked with. Yeah.
1: It is. um, If you haven't stayed clear on what that deep purpose to your life is, I, I think it does very much fall short. We think that financial, the business goal is going to solve everything, but it's it's just so small. You've probably paid some attention to uh, the happiness research. Do you know the three things that actually bring us the greatest
0: happiness? No, I've looked at happiness index and things, but no, share with me your thoughts. So we
1: know from research, you know, positive psychology, happiness research is a relatively new field. Um, there are three things that bring us a deep joy. So difference... Not surface level happiness, but deep joy, feelings of well being. It's relationships. So, friends and family. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, it's personal growth and personal development.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's helping others. And so, often the answer if all people have done is chase their business goal, then they sell the business and they're on top and they're looking. If they don't have those three things in place, Part of the answer is we start looking at how do we start investing time in building these areas
0: out. Yeah, and I think the lesson there a little bit is build them out beforehand. (laughs) Don't, if I draw the obvious one, don't neglect your relationships as you're building your empire because, you know, those relationships may not be around by the time you can actually enjoy them again.
1: And frequently they aren't because people are so driven that they forget the it's almost like you're living a two-dimensional life instead of the full
0: dimension. Mm, Well, it's the entrepreneurial curse sometimes, isn't it? Because, you know, the inability to be able to shift focus to, um, you know, a multiple level of things and certainly being able to prioritize the things that are really important at a given time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, so we're, we've been speaking for almost an hour. It's crazy. (laughs) Told you it would go quick. Did I tell you? (laughs) So what I thought we'd do right is, um, because what I do, which is, is help people create amazing businesses, which they often then go to sell to private equity or other areas and, and make a lot of money from that, create wealth, create impact. We've decided to partner up a bit, haven't we? Yeah,
1: I know. It's so fun. I'm, I'm very excited about it. We, I think we have a so, great – I'm thinking of it as the triple win.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can see that. Because I think, you know what's just to kind of go back to where we started, how we met – one of the the gifts, if you like, of putting yourself into those different rooms, masterminds or events or whatever you choose to go to if you own personal and professional development is you meet people who have similar values and standards of things. And I mean, we connected pretty quickly, um, probably had, you know, businesses, similar trajectory, you know, growing businesses right. and were more progressed than some of the people in the room, as we said beforehand. Right. But there's also a natural sort of segue or relationship between the people that are you know, I want to help people create those amazing businesses to create that freedom and create that wealth. And then the natural thing is, well, what next? Uh, And also as they're on that journey, particularly towards the end, you know, they, they often say that the wind is the most ferocious, the higher up the mountain. Right. And, and that's where they need people like you the most, Sarah. Yeah.
1: It's so true. It's true in the climbing world and true in the business world. It is.
0: There you are. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, so watch this space is the, is the kind of message here. We'll put um, Sarah's details and things like that um, into the show notes. And I'll just ask you in a second, kind of how people can reach you, but you know, for any of the people who are listening to this, who think that, you know, what Sarah has been talking about has resonated today. If you feel that actually you need that guide, you need that sounding board to help you, particularly, particularly if you're in the space where Sarah really operates, where her zone of genius is, then you know certainly get in touch with myself or Sarah and um, should be delighted to to work with you. So so Sarah, where can people reach you?
1: Yeah, people can reach me through the website. it's frailingcoaching.com. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Facebook. they can just I've got my number on the website. You can call.
0: <laughs> Don't do that. I you know I, I used to do that and then I you know I had one weekend where I had sixty seven phone calls. I could you know that's true. yeah
1: well, <laughs> So they can reach out through the website, that will be better. And that will be an incredible day when when we get there. Um, I will say, I love how you named this bit of people who something I'm saying is resonating with them. I know I was on the call, I was on the phone with a new client, a billionaire last month. We'd had a half hour connect call where my mind just went, I had a million ideas and on our second session, so we'd spent a total of two hours together. This individual just wept, not that weeping is required, but truly (laughs) just wept and said, oh my God, I have never felt seen. What you just did and how we just connected is what I have needed because he hadn't had anyone just get it. And so I do think that's something that people desperately need and want and crave that is helpful to really create the kind of success and the what next to solve that. It's really connecting and pairing with someone who can help you, who sees that and understands those unique challenges that you might be having.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, I'm glad. Cause um, it's funny. I have different people on the show who, who call themselves coaches and we, we spoke a little bit about the definition. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of actual coaching, <laughs> that's what you do. So that's why I don't I don't bring lots of coaches on, on this show. I bring lots of people who have got various specialties and, and things like that. But I wanted people to understand a bit more about transformational coaching today and what that is. Wow. And I think you've articulated that extremely well. So, Sarah, a pleasure as always. Looking forward to working more closely Thank with you. Thank you. you very much for coming on Scale Up Your Business.
1: Yeah, thanks, Nick. Have a great rest of your day. It's been a delight. I appreciate it.